In a world filled with architects of immense egos, frightening moral characters, slicing ambition, stealth branding, cunning strategies, audacious attitudes, and incredible talents. Notes on becoming a famous architect will be a force to be reckoned with. This is a true story about one man and his dream to become a famous architect. Now playing at www.famousarchitect.blogspot.com Some years ago, I used to go around thinking of Frank Gehry as a total schmuck. He went around making these wonky absurd things in god-awful materials and calling it architecture. His mantra seemed to be, let's do something totally stupid looking and ask why not? I am so playful and whimsical seemed to be the chant behind every spell he casts. The impression I had of him was that he made architecture look way too easy. You just put a newspaper or binoculars down on a model and voila. Instant interesting architecture. And if anyone dares to say that they were annoyed by all this, they were labeled as narrow-minded or too hermetic in their thinking. All of his detractors were put in the same box. His work, especially his early work was meant to be visually disturbing like his contemporary artist friends. Then some years later, I reluctantly went into the Guggenheim in New York to see a retrospective of his work there. I came away surprisingly with a very different opinion of him and his work. Although I still did not care much for it, I came away with a lot of respect for him and what he was doing. For the first time I saw all the work that went into each project or at least the story behind them. There were several different studies and experiments leading up to the final built thing. It was very different from the outward branding campaign that was publicly seen in all the media snippets of him telling an assistant to fold a piece of paper and then yeah. That looks so stupid I love it. The exhibition showed a different attitude, it showed an architect testing and trying out different things, looking at how to solve real problems, attentiveness to solving space, light, materials as any and every architect does. What I realized was that I was so hypnotized by his branding machine that I was not able to tell the difference between the architect and the branding. The exhibition snapped me out of the spell and allowed me to see the difference. It was then to my surprise some weeks ago when I learned that Peter's Umber won the Pritzker Prize that I thought to myself, Oh that's so great, Zumber is one of my favorite architects. I really like his work and I like his demeanor. He doesn't want publicity, he doesn't make an effort to publish his works in the glossy magazines, and finally the Pritzker Prize Committee selects such a person. It just goes to show, if you just work hard at what you do and don't worry about publicity or being famous you will be recognized, yada, yada, yada. I heard myself and suddenly snapped out of it. Hey wait a minute. I thought. 
Just hold on one second. Stop the music. That's not true. That's not true. Peter is okay and everything but don't get hypnotized by his branding machine. Oh. And the Pritzker committee selecting an obscure nobody? Hogwash. Time for a reality check, folks. Every famous architect, whether it is Frank Geary playing Whimsical Wizard, Frank Lloyd Wright playing Egotistical Master, or Rem Koolhaas playing Intellectual Sheep, all have a branding game plan that is strategically aimed at getting fame and recognition. Peter's Umber playing Hermit Genius is no different. Fame and recognition does not just happen. You have to work at it. A million dollars will not just fall into your lap if you go to work every day and do a good job without a plan of how to make it happen, and neither will a Pritzker prize fall into your lap if you just go off deep into the mountains and make good architecture unbeknown to anyone. Fame and recognition like any other career path must be carefully cultivated. It's like the old computer adage, garbage in garbage out. The results that you get are based on what you put into it. If you put your energy into making good buildings, sooner or later you will realize a good building. If you put your energy into getting famous, sooner or later you will be famous. If you put some energy into making good buildings and some energy into making yourself famous, sooner or later you will be a famous architect. It requires a dual effort. If you find a famous architect who put most of his energy into becoming famous, it will be plain to see that he is famous for being famous. I am sure this is not what most people want. If you make a balanced effort in both areas, as Umther has done, you will see that too. Besides doing good work, making interesting and or quality architecture, Putting an effort into being famous and getting recognition means publishing, writing, branding, going on the lecture circuit, building symbolic capital, schmoozing, and basically doing whatever you can to be visible in a positive way. The last time I checked Sundar had close to a dozen books published in several languages. Here is a list, just to name a few, Thinking Architecture, Peter's Umther Therm Vows, Peter's Umther Works. Buildings projects, atmospheres, architectural environments, surrounding objects, course honor Swiss, Swiss sound box, architecture in Vorarlberg, three concepts, thermal bath vows, a plus U extra edition, Peter's Umther and this one titled just plain old, Peter's Umther. This does not include the countless articles and magazine publications, glossy and non-glossy, that he has personally written or consented to by providing materials, images of the works, press releases, interviews etc. You will notice that this is not consistent with the part of his ingenious branding strategy slash philosophy of I don't believe in publishing images of the work because architecture must be experienced firsthand. He publishes anyway because he has two. This elaborate brand is shrouded around the Hermitesque philosopher monk-like mystique, his official press release photos shows him clad in what looks like a priest's shirt minus the neck collar piece, 
unpretentious, his arms folded, a stoic glare behind a meticulously trimmed white beard and short militarily disciplined haircut. His writing style is largely phenomenological and reads like a mythology storybook. He touts beliefs like, I am not a networker, I'm not a difficult star. I'm simply someone who wants to do good work. He is eager to talk about how small his firm is and how selective he is with accepting commissions, I can't be bought with money is his attitude towards clients. If everyone knew how calculated all of this is, they would be astounded. Not just astounded it would unveil his mystique and wreck his brand. At this point, I should wave a flaming disclaimer that I don't believe he is insincere for one moment. You have to believe in your mystique wholeheartedly before anyone else can believe in you. It has to come from you and resonate with your core beliefs and who you are. That's the first rule in building a brand or mystique. It would appear that the humble one has deluded himself into believing that all this does not equal promoting himself in his work. Your job as an aspiring great one is to not buy into this delusion. Be aware that it is a brand and that it is part of an elaborate, premeditated, well-managed promotional strategy. Besides the publications and the mystique branding, he has certainly not shied away from the lecture circuit. Just Google Peter Plus's Under Plus Lectures and you will see us on the Woos Here list of places far and wide where this globe-trotting mountain hermit has been speaking, that is self-promoting. If you are not an incredible networker, you cannot pull this off. But let's say you are not an incredible networker and you somehow managed to pull this off, you would have to be either brain dead or extremely socially repulsive not to come away with a network of friends and contacts that reads like a who is who list in the world of architecture and beyond. If you can ever find a copy of his resume, you will also see that he has built a treasure chest of symbolic capital, connections, awards, prestigious teaching positions, etc. He has taught at renowned schools from SCI Arc in Los Angeles to the Graduate School of Design at Harvard University, far away from the obscure mountains of Switzerland, where he has no doubt rubbed shoulders and schmoozed with the famous and well-connected even some of the jurors of the Pritzker Prize Committee. I am sorry, I just don't believe in random luck. There's a saying, the harder you work the luckier you get. Zunder certainly worked hard at his luck and now it has paid off. He is a brilliant networker, brander, and self-promoter whether he sees himself that way or not. Three cheers to Mr. Zunder for a Pritzker well-earned. Don't envy him, emulate him. As for the Pritzker Prize Committee, they have historically given the prize to well-established architects heavyweights in the field who have largely branded themselves as stars. As we have seen in the previous post, the era of the architect is over. The committee finds itself in an awkward position. On the one hand they are way too embarrassed to bestow the award on someone who overtly brands himself as architect, and on the other hand they are way too parochial to pick someone outside the establishment. 
So why not choose a Starkitect who brands himself as I am totally not interested in being a Starkitect? What other choice did they have? I am really curious to see who the other candidates were. In the coming days you will see many articles published about the Pritzker Prize winner where he will be lauded for operating outside the establishment in a tiny remote village in the Swiss mountains, far removed from the international architecture scene. They will write about how he has choose the publicity and the promotions. They will describe him as the son of a lowly carpenter. Upon being told that he will receive the prize he made this statement, that a body of work as small as ours is recognized in the professional world makes us feel proud and should give much hope to young professionals that if they strive for quality in their work it might become visible without any special promotion. Without any special promotion? Huh? When you look at the avalanche of these disingenuous statements, I implore you to resist gazing at the swinging pendulum of this hypnotic branding machine. I offer this statement to young professionals instead, you won't get wise with the sleep still in your eyes, no matter what your dreams might be. I am happy for Peter's Umther, I wish him well, he is a good architect, as I said before, I like his work very much, but please don't insult me with the I just make good work in tiny Swiss mountain storyline. Success leaves clues, and there are there to see right before our eyes if we only open them and look. Good work plus good promotion equals fame and recognition. Conrad Newell Notes on becoming a famous architect, liberating minds since August 2007. This is a true story about one man and his dream to become a famous architect. Now playing at www.famousarchitect.blogspot.com